This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Conversations Podcast. Conversations It's a translation To a Star Wars nation It's a celebration Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. I'm Pat. And this is episode 55. An ancient Jedi distress code signals out from the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Our heroes are transported to a strange dimension containing a realm with strong connections to the Force. The Mortis Realm. We went a little deeper on that one. Mortis Realm, too. Yeah. Interesting you call it that. It's the Mortis Realm. That's what it is. Well, that's not mentioned in any episodes. Hmm? I just coined it right now. That's Trademark, good. patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> well, you know, a subject this deep and complex, I'd say. Uh-huh. Maybe I should use my line from the Dooku episode. Right. And maybe we should delve into the Jedi Temple Archives. Funny enough, look who's here. It's Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Woohoo! Yay! They've been under construction for like four months, so I'm just happy to get out. The galactic unions are really stalling this thing for you. I know, I know. But I got a feeling that the Chancellor is going to turn it all around for you, buddy. I'm hoping, man. I I was looking at the blueprints, and all of a sudden I realized, now there are two of them. (laughs) Oh, no. This is getting out of hand. So, Mortis. Mortis. Yeah. I'm excited for Mortis. I love Mortis. It's a fantastic set of episodes, but I gotta say, one of the main reasons that this subject came up as part, you know, lots of people talk about this. because of Sam Witwer, obviously. Well, first of all, he's kick-ass, but... Oh, there's more. Okay. There's more. Nowhere in this arc is the word Mortis ever used. Now, I understand that they have to call it something. I mean, apart from the fact that Mortis is, you know, Latin for death, um... There, no one ever refers to it as that. They come to here. There's never a transmission from Mortis. Uh-huh. They don't say the word Mortis while they're there. There's never a transmission. It's like, oh, the Jedi Council says we're on Mortis. Never. They leave it, and right. then and they never speak of it again. Correct. So it's just, I just find that odd. It's just what happens on Mortis stays on Mortis. Well, <laughs> that's a fantastic explanation. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Rob, where we can find you? Uh, good luck. Oh, <laughs> at his house. And what happens on Mortis does not stay on Mortis. We see Morai off of Mortis. So, uh, yes, she's in my know, background. Honest, honestly, I, I never realized that they never mention the word Mortis. I find that hard to believe. Um, that- I yeah, I watched it twice, and I was listening for it because I, I was trying to get the context of the word. Like, okay, so where is this actually placed in the episode? It never shows up, apart from the titles. Nobody likes a watcher, Charles. <laughs> Yeah, that's creepy. You watch several times. <laughs> You're weird. You can find Rob on the uh, Conversations podcast. <laughs> probably more true than anything these days. So, and, and honored to be on the Conversations podcast. This is where all the good stuff happens. There you go. Thank Aww. you very much. Well, we're glad to have you. And your knowledge will certainly come in handy tonight for what's really a deep, deep lore uh, exploration of the Force and Anakin and... So many levels of this arc. 
that are broken down in each of the episodes. That's you know really a deep dive in there. But most importantly, Sam Witwer. <laughs> yes, you do keep coming back to that, don't you? <laughs> I, I, how could I not? That's, that's why I'm here. I thought we, I thought this was the Sam Witwer appreciation episode. <laughs> this is the episode where they do the best job of explaining Anakin's role as the chosen that's one. And true. I'm not talking about the whiskey. <laughs> oh, man, that's true. That's also a good role, but that's a very good point. It's <laughs> a delicious role. When I first watched the arc, seeing the uh, bright light that initiates this whole experience on yes. the planetoid that they talk about, um, it, it immediately made me feel that this was like a almost, no, don't hit me, Star Trek. It's not the Borg cube. Well, that, it's, it's not. See? The, stop. But stop. You I'm going to stop you right it's, there. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. It's not the Borg cube. I understand. I understand it's not the Borg cube. But you got to no. admit, though, there's a, the, there's a, almost a trope to it that leads you to think that there's something else going on. But it is, <laughs> but I just got to say that that was the first thing I thought of. What was I can your only first? assume you mean Bjorn Borg. <laughs> yes, the, t- the tennis great Bjorn Borg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no relation to that. This is purely Star Wars. Yes, right. Um, I, you know, it looks like a Sith holocron. I agree. Like a big Sith holocron. Yes, like almost two of them, but like. Up, like, oh great! Now them. there are two of them. Yes, <laughs> there are two of them. But you look at it, it's oh, like God, two pyramids, sort of thing. Yeah, nothing yeah. can come out about that. Yeah. Let's just drive into this thing. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. My casual. It's fine. <laughs> and what about you, Rob? What was your first take on watching this this series? You know, it's interesting because it's supposed to be you know this whole you know planetoid, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, and you're right. I mean, it is more like a diamond almost. Uh, and it's interesting because there's a parallel there to the crystals that focus the force in the Jedi's lightsaber. And then you've got this quote unquote nexus of the force. That's really kind of a, a conduit of the force within this, you know, within this uh, set of episodes that is also very much jewel like, but you know, it's, it's interesting. There's, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, certainly this is a place that kind of exists outside of the galaxy that can only be reached if, if essentially you're invited or if you're chosen uh, to use that term. And, you know, we get to see a little bit of that when they do eventually emerge from this place and, and get back to where they were supposed to rendezvous with this Republic cruiser. And uh, you know, they're like, you know, where have you guys been in the Republic cruiser, you know, uh, crew is like, well, we've been here waiting for you. Where <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they've both been in the, at the same point in space, but one of them was essentially existing in some alternate reality. Um, I don't, I don't think this is the Marvel multiverse. <laughs> so we'll steer clear of that. You know, this is uh it's, it's a really unique set of episodes within uh, the clone wars and within star Wars mythos, really. Yeah. It's really, it, brings an explanation to the first real explanation that we get in canon for the light side and the dark side and the balance because you hear talk of all of that stuff but nothing really explains it like this until this point and then when they land on this planetoid you know they have no idea where they are yeah and then we see the daughter so she appears we hear her first and then it appears that anakin hears her first and until she actually becomes more corporeal or something more uh, like a vision, then they all see her. And uh, that's where this whole, you know, this is where it all starts. What I found very interesting, she refers to we, she says, we are the middle, the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And I just, I spent the three episodes trying to figure out why would they start with the middle and the beginning and the end. It was very, 
it's just got to be something to that, but I, I haven't figured it out. So that's just a question out there that I had. We seem to be trying to get to is whether or not Anakin is a chosen one. And the father who essentially called them is also trying to find it out. So he, he's curious, but he wants to know if Anakin thinks he's the chosen one. I think it bears noting as well that, you know, we've kind of talked about the fact that they are at Mortis, but, uh, you know, we haven't really described who is involved in that mission. And it's it's Anakin, it's uh, Ahsoka, and it's Obi-Wan. So, you know, you've got the three of them. So this is a very, very much an episode about threes, right? You get the the father, the son, the daughter, you get Anakin, Obi-Wan, and, um, and you get uh, Ahsoka. And interestingly enough, you know, you could argue that Obi-Wan at the embodiment of the light side of the Jedi, uh, Anakin certainly has that that kernel of darkness in him and Ahsoka is kind of somewhere between them. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a balance, there's a lot of balance uh, throughout this episode, uh, both with the, you know, the, the group that has been deployed by the Jedi council to explore this phenomenon as well as who they're interacting with when they get to Mortis. Very cool. So like the middle being the gray, the beginning yeah. being the light and the end being the dark. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's interesting to note as well. You mentioned that, you know, they started with the, you know, we are the middle, the, the beginning and the end. Um, you know, if this is kind of a nexus of the living force, when you look at Qui-Gon Jinn and his teachings to Obi-Wan, he always was uh, prompting him to, you know, stay in the present. You know, the mm-hmm. living force is about being rooted in the present, not worrying about what's happened or what's going to happen. And uh, it kind of would speak to the fact that this was more of a nexus of the living force instead of the, you know, the uh, the larger force that yeah, most cosmic. of the general. So they land mm-hmm. and they, they meet the daughter. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of explains, you know, a little bit about where they are and what's going on. Yeah. Then they get separated. So Anakin mm-hmm. sort of saves her. And then uh, Ahsoka and uh, Obi-Wan, you know, they're together. And the daughter takes mm-hmm. Anakin to the father. And as soon as they get in there, the first vibe that I got was the world between worlds. Just the the mystic look of the floor, the, 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 the walls, everything had that sort of very subtle hints to it. And again, you know, looking at this place as a realm versus a planetoid, you know, as a, as a planet rooted in uh, physicality, it certainly lends itself to that. But there's a, again, uh, an uneasiness. And that's another thing too about this, ep- all these episodes. Yeah. The music, the soundtrack is extremely offsetting and it's brilliant. I find myself actually anxious watching this. Like what's, what is, where yeah. is this going? And that's obviously credit to not just the music, but to the writing, everything. Yeah, and with it being so mystical and unknown, you you know you you meet the daughter and you you kind of have reservations, and then the father you have reservations, and then you know obviously the son you're like this guy's not so great. Yeah, I I, I obviously have a bad feeling about him, um, but you know just everything about it is is questionable as a viewer, mm-hmm. and and you can feel that on behalf of the characters as well. The interesting thing is not only do you have this, this range of characters with the daughter being the embodiment of the light, the father being the balance and the son being kind of the embodiment of the dark side, but the planet itself or the planetoid itself uh, during the daytime, it's very much, you know, rich and vibrant Mm -hmm. uh, and, and an embodiment of what you would expect uh, the light side of the force to produce. And then as nighttime falls, you get the storms, you get the acid rain, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, as as they get separated, you get Obi-Wan and Ahsoka being warned uh, by 
the son that, or actually the daughter, when, when they were getting split up, you know, she said they had a limited amount of time to get to safe before darkness fell. And uh, once that happened, it was going to be a much more dangerous place to be. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really interesting because Anakin is is on his mission. He's really the one that they were trying to lure there. And, and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka were kind of, um, you know, just passengers on this flight. Uh, and so Anakin is more or less safe uh, while they're trying to or while the, while the father is trying to convince him that his role is to take his place. Um, and provide this balance between the son and the daughter and, and balance the light and the dark side of the force. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are kind of left to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's I, when we see the sun come up. And I feel like the the changes in the environment and the weather and all are mirroring the struggle between the son and the daughter. Because mm-hmm. you have that light and that dark and they're kind of feuding with each other and they need that that balance that that temperament in the middle to you know to to balance that stuff out mm-hmm. and, you know so they seek shelter in the caves uh, mm-hmm. obi-wan and ahsoka and they have visions the first obi-wan hears and sees qui-gon and see so they go through a few little pieces of dialogue but the one i found most interesting is uh, he says have you trained the boy Mm-hmm. And I found it a very curious question because if Qui-Gon is the teacher at this point of the living force, when I first saw it, it's like, wait a second, because I'm already questioning the entire episode. It's like, is this him? Like, is this, is this actually Qui-Gon or mm-hmm. just like a, a vision that's being placed by, in this case, the sun. Right. Then um, Ahsoka sees her older self. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting part as well, because you, you get a sense. I mean, I wasn't trying to relate it to Ahsoka that we see in Mandalorian, but mm-hmm. certainly older, obviously, but also has a very cautionary tale for her. And right. that's beyond even what we see in uh, season seven of the Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. it's certainly progressed further on, you know, knocking on the door, maybe of the Mandalorian appearance. And, you know, it's not far off from from what comes to pass where, you know, she had to leave him or because if she there's there's the argument that if she's stuck by Anakin physically and um you know was present for him in the events of Revenge of the Sith, how that may have prevented him from going down that path. But you could very easily see with how disenfranchised she was with the Jedi Order at that point, um, how she may have rationalized where he was going and followed him there as well you know and that's kind of the 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 warning mm-hmm. that she receives is is you know this is slippery slope you got to be careful with this because this could not only be his future but yours as well yeah i think it bears noting as well that this is really the first time we hear the voice of qui-gon um speaking to anyone through the force i mean charles you made that point that that that's one of the things that obi-wan hears and he's very much suspicious of whether this is a legit thing uh because up until this point no one had heard qui-gon speak and we do get to see it later on in season six when uh they do the arc where yoda is kind of trying to unravel who who is behind this dark nexus of the force and he ends up hearing qui-gon's voice and even then you know three seasons three plus seasons later uh you know yoda is very 
cautious about whether he's yeah. actually Qui-Gon or whether this is some sort of trick uh, meant to, to manipulate him. But uh, again, it's not unusual, I think, that, that Qui-Gon would speak to Obi-Wan in this place that's super strong in you know, the, the Force and most likely the Living Force uh, that, that Qui-Gon was tied so tightly to, given his relationship with this Padawan. And then we go from those visions to then we you know move over to Anakin yes. in the temple at this point, and, and just the visuals in uh, his vision, yeah, and it's creepy. I mean, it ends up being the sun, so this is the first time that it's like confirmed the sun, mm-hmm. um, which you know leads me to think that the visions that both Ahsoka and uh, Obi Wan experienced were legitimate sort of visions, whether they're somehow through the Force speaking to themselves or not. I'm not quite sure, but. Um, this one certainly comes out to be the sun and uh, playing on Anakin's guilt as always is one of the biggest downfalls for him. Yes. Um, but was one of the really interesting lines I picked up that she was, that she said um, was that nothing ever really dies. Yes. Obviously the sun is there to antagonize Anakin or try and draw something out of him. But that line in particular was, yeah. had a lot of weight behind it. Yeah. And it mirrors, you know, with Han, and Luke and Leia, you yeah. know, no one's ever really gone. And and, uh, and of course, Palpatine, because, uh, <laughs> you know, he's not really gone either. Any Jedi thrown down a well or any force wielder thrown down a pit or a well, they're never really gone. Yeah, exactly. you got to be you got to be suspect of that, because, right. you know, more often than not, they're going to they're going to turn up again. <laughs> Speaking of Sam Witwer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a performance he gives in this one. My I'm, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And I think, you know, I. I I'd like to say that that kind of opened the door for him to um, to you know be considered later on for for Maul, mm. you know, because because they already knew him and you know recognized his talent and the power that he has. Yeah, he yeah. goes from like calm to yeah. crazy in just like split seconds. Yeah, I mean he's you know that's why we like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that you know this is this is another one of those places, and I feel like I harp on this all the time whenever I'm talking about anything related to Anakin's eventual fall, but this is another, you know, if you're looking at, at trios within this arc uh, of the Mortis uh, episodes, and, you know, three these are, are a big theme here. you got the father, the son, the daughter, you've got Anakin, you've got uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, but this also highlights just where exactly Anakin's weak points were. It was yes. his mother, it was Padme, it was Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And all of those, you know, pain points are kind of brought into focus in this episode um, and shown to be exactly what it would take to to lever him to make a decision one way, one way or the other. Uh, you know, we get to see what happens when Ahsoka eventually gets infected with the dark side by the sun uh, mm-hmm. and kind of what, you know, Anakin's reaction is to what happens to her. Um, and certainly, you know, some of those other pressure points are, are brought up in some of the visions that he sees in these episodes. So it's definite foreshadowing. Um, you get to see in an ideal world what Anakin should have potentially done, yes. which was to take on this role and replace the father. Uh, but the fact that he could not detach himself from Padme, who he loved, and, you know, certainly everything he did was driven by the death of his mother. Um, and you know, the fact that he had such a deep attachment to Ahsoka was also brought into, into sharp focus. That's really interesting. I didn't think of that, the, uh, that trio as well. Um, do you think that, that, of course, the father being the one who called them or called him here. And like you said, you know, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan just sort of hangers on in this case, but 
if uh, the father sensed him as being the chosen one or was curious about him being the chosen one, do you think that they had a way through the force of knowing all the trials and tribulations that he had gone through in his life? And I mean, the daughter and the son, uh, not just the father, where the son could exploit these uh, these uh, challenges or these uh, emotional pain points to draw something out of him? I, I mean, I feel like the one of the weaknesses that Anakin had was that he wore his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> think he was very good at at uh, hiding anything that he was feeling necessarily. And I think that a lot of the reason why Obi-Wan never really, I'm not going to say Obi-Wan never wised up to what was going on with Anakin. I, I think there are a ton, especially within the Clone Wars, there are a ton of, of pieces of evidence that indicate that Obi-Wan had a very good idea that Anakin was stepping beyond the bounds of what he should as a Jedi. Uh, I think Obi-Wan, was blind or, or blinded himself to it mm-hmm. uh, willing uh, because he wanted to believe that, you know, he was, he was doing his very best to train Anakin as Qui-Gon had asked him to. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that that Anakin would have had a lot of secrets from these beings that were essentially just pure conduits of the force. Yeah. So um, at this point, the father then sets up a test really to test Anakin, whether mm-hmm. he's actually is a tri- the chosen one. So yeah. he sends the, the uh, son and the daughter to go capture Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. bring him back to the temple in this open arena style thing. And he, uh, as Anakin has to choose who is going to live and mm-hmm. who's going to die. Mm-hmm. And as his ultimate test and Anakin and his enhanced or, you know, uh, focus power and even obi-wan says that this planet is the force mm-hmm. use it and focus on that force he is able to free both ahsoka and obi-wan and essentially you know um he, subvert, uh, really. so yeah subverts yeah the, the, yeah the test and is able to give a uh, a null result it's like well there, yeah. there's your test and they leave they you know it's like well, i mean that, that really that really puts a pin in that test you know, basically, it's like, well, you have to choose, and it just it shows his his skill, his his abilities, and his determination. Mm. You know, it's like, well, why do I have to choose? I don't if I, you know, act quick enough, think, you know, fast enough, and and work hard enough. You know, if I if I employ the knowledge and skills that I have, why can't I save them both? Mm-hmm. And that drives him to want to know more and do more to save the other people he loves like his mother and and like his his wife mm-hmm. and you know that leads him that alone leads him down some other paths thinking that he can and should be able to be this hero right for everyone you could argue that in this particular arc, you know, you see the best and the worst of what Anakin can possibly be, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. I mean, he he is he, he's incredibly powerful in the force. That's why he was essentially brought here to replace the father who was strong enough to balance the son and the daughter who were incredibly powerful force beings um, and, and to provide that balance. And this is the literal definition of bringing balance to the force. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. in this particular place. But we talked about the visions that Obi-Wan and Ahsoka have, but Anakin also has his own vision and he sees all the dark deeds Mm -hmm. that are potentially to come. He sees the young 
that he's going to slaughter. He sees Padme choking in his duel with Obi-Wan mm -hmm. and he sees visions of all these things. And, you know, basically at this point, he's strong enough to kind of shy away from the, the idea that he's going to fall to the dark side. But, you know, it's one of those things, you know, does this impact his decisions down the road? Does this in some way mm -hmm. play a part into him feeling like this is his destiny and this is something that he really doesn't have a choice in, which is certainly what Palpatine was trying to drive him toward. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I talk about the, you know, the three legs that Anakin stood on with the three, you know, strongest women in his life is his mother, his wife and, uh, and his Padawan and how those essentially get cut away by Palpatine mm -hmm. um, and his manipulations and, and it leaves Anakin very exposed. And certainly, you know, the, the fourth pillar, I guess, would be the Jedi order. And he corrupts that to the point where it's not strong enough to support Anakin either. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but within, within Mortis itself, you, Oh, it's just such a, it's such a mind screw with Anakin. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's painful to watch because you definitely see hints of, of the dark side in him. And that is one yes. of the things that's crazy throughout the Clone Wars. You get to see him at his shining best and you also get to see all of those little warning signs that yeah. uh, Obi-Wan and the other Jedi just kind of excused and dismissed yeah. and, uh, you know, did not pay attention to. And I think any of us in, you know, that the go through life, there are, there are things that happen to you and you go, all the signs were there. Yeah. Yeah. It shows not to see that. And those little nuggets just kind of creep in and yep. it's just enough. And then you get like that little hint of like yep. the dark side music and you're like, okay, there yeah. it is. Yep. It's like the, uh, and literally that's the way the episode ends as they're boarding the shuttle. Mm -hmm. You hear subtle hints of the um, force theme. Mm -hmm. And as they leave the platform, you clearly hear Vader's theme. So yep, like, yep. oh my. So yeah. stay there is good to leave is bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hammer that one uh, home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of the first episode of uh, the arc, uh, Overlords. So before we get to parts two and three, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello there, I'm Carto Ganroot of Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar. Are you looking for a great dining option for the whole family? Well at Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar, these are the meals you're looking for. We're conveniently located on the lesser meteor crest of Mimban, but leave your slog boots at home, we're not near the muddy parts. We even have a children's menu that will have your kids saying, Mm-mm, McClunky. Don't take my word for it. Here's what some of our hungry, happy customers have said. Luke S. from the Outer Rim says, The Womp Rat Stew is so good, I thought my aunt made it in the desert. And Anonymous from Corellia says, their bantha bites have so much spice, I almost dumped them at the first sign of an Imperial cruiser. Remember, when you're hungrier than a Zillow beast, Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar has your order. And may the flavor be with you. OK, 
Okay, and we are back. Thanks to our sponsors for that. And we move on to episode two, uh, which is called The Altar of Mortis. We are there in space, or close to space, and mm-hmm. again, you have this nightmarish scene of them, you know, Obi-Wan's piloting the, sh- the ship, and then uh, Anakin has an extremely disturbing vision. Vision, yes. And the effects of that, of course, rouse everybody in the ship, and then um, the sun just suddenly appears in the shuttle, <laughs> and Ahsoka's gone. She she takes yes. Ahsoka with her, and of course now now the the part two ensues. Yes. So you have the foreboding music, and uh, now real danger, mm-hmm. because you you realize what these beings are capable of, and and then of course everyone's favorite Ahsoka is is not there. So. It's like, oh, well, now there's some real peril. Yeah. And you you can recognize the evil, the, the strength of the dark side in the sun. And, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly some real tension there between what, what has happened and then what, what they have to do to, to save her and to reconcile this whole situation. Yeah. The other amusing thing at the beginning of this episode is the fact that, uh, you know, when the son abducts Ahsoka and flees, Anakin, of course, tries to chase her down in the shuttle and manages to crash land it into Mortis, uh, which, again, that's, we get. That's why I hate flying. Anakin, right? An amazing star pilot, uh, starfighter pilot, uh, according to Obi-Wan, but, uh, uh, you know, one of the best pilots he's ever known, and, and he's constantly crashing ships. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Well, he's he's amazing in space, right? right. When there's objects involved, yeah. not so much an animal. It's like I could probably fly a plane, <laughs> you know. Or I, a plane. I couldn't t- I couldn't take off, and I certainly couldn't land. <laughs> but like while it's in the air, going straight, I, yeah, I'd probably be all right. Right. Space travel. <laughs> We do get to enjoy some of Anakin's, uh, you know, his trademark impetuous uh, behavior, because of course Obi Wan is cautioning him to to be cautious and not chase after Ahsoka. And Anakin's like, "No, nah, I got this. He's know, like, no problem. Good idea, Master. I'm doing it anyway." I will, you know, obviously one of the crazy things about this is the sun is such a. It's so much that uh, Draculia trope, right? Mm. Yeah, he's. He turns into the flying beast and his yes. bite is what infects Ahsoka with the dark side of the force eventually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very, he's very uh, vampire like within this particular episode yeah, in the arc in general. Yeah. I mean, even from the first episode, at one point, Anakin says, what are these, what are these dark arts, these spells and visions? And which is odd to hear from a Jedi, but chronologically, when you're watching the story, this is like right after the Night Sisters arc. So yes. he's got this sort of, you know, he's got a, so he's carrying over this sort of spooky element and yeah. it sort of fits, you know, um, as a, as a motif, but it's, uh, like you said, Robbie, even the, the brother's, uh, appearance yeah. is, is creepy and, and very yes. nightmarish like, you know? And so then he takes, so uh, the, the son takes Ahsoka to this sort of holding cell and there's a little creature in there. It looks very much like that, uh, Harry Potter creature. What's his name? Uh, the, the Davi. Little, the uh, Davi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Master loves Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, man. 
Uh, I sense a commercial coming. Gonna have to remember that one. <laughs> so, of course, uh, it's the sun masquerading as this little creature. Yes. Um, to, as a house elf. Yeah, and <laughs> get close enough to Ahsoka, I guess, so that he could bite her. Um, otherwise, you know, why go through the ruse of the creature? I'm not yeah, quite I don't sure. Think he's got his rabies vaccine either. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't look Perfect. like it. I think he's missing some vitamin C too. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> he bites her, and you know, says you're mine now. And then, like you're alluding to before, Rob, now she's got, now she's basically um, dark side. She's got the yeah. sort of very unhealthy skin and uh, and the eyes, and it's like, oh boy, not things aren't going well for Ahsoka at this point. No, it's interesting too. You never see this anywhere else in Star Wars, right? It's you know, the dark side is is something that grows within a person as they make those selfish decisions and kind of go against um you know the the greater good if you want to call it Mm -hmm. that uh and and look out more for themselves and make those selfish decisions and you know in this case it's literally the bite that infects her with the dark side and we're not talking like she gets a little selfish i mean she is straight up nasty yeah Mm -hmm. darth soka terrible (laughs) the worst i see that as a cosplay somebody should do that i know that's right we've never seen that at all yeah i know you're welcome (laughs) oh my gosh well the first the son rejoins the uh the father and And the daughter daughter. Uh, um and the father's basically worried about the fact that the son has has gone so dark essentially yeah. Uh, and he basically lets loose with his anger and, and unleashes some force lightning on the father. And that's kind of what begins that conflict. Mm-hmm. And that's the red force lightning you were talking about in our weapons episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's bad news. Yeah. Weapons that aren't lightsabers or blasters. Right. right. Yeah. It's that very specific uh, corner of weaponry. Yes. It was our, that was our trilogy of weaponry. We see three different colors of force lightning. This is the uh, the only time we see the red. Yes. Right, we got the yellow with uh, with Plo Koon and his yes. uh, electric judgment. <laughs> electric <laughs> judgment. That should be his uh, solo film. Right, Plo Koon <laughs> and the electric judgment. So yes, yeah, so that struggle that is um, under the surface comes comes to a boil, and then uh, the conflict is is not just through the music and the, and the subtle hints, it's, it's very overt and in your face at this point. Yeah. And when the son does attack the father, she's sort of far off in the distance. She doesn't see it. And then she immediately denies the fact that the son actually did that. Um, mm-hmm. The and Obi-Wan, of course, witnesses it. And, and then she, in her nature, as she says that she, you know, he, he's not guilty. It's, right. it wasn't his choice to do it. So very much playing the role of the Jedi or the light side of, forgiveness right. or for understanding and believing that there's there's still good in good. everyone yeah. yeah yeah and that again just ringing those chords of of their dichotomy between the two of them versus the father being the middle of them yeah then we get the showdown of uh basically uh the daughter and obi-wan go after and anakin go after um the son in his kind of sanctum mm-hmm. and uh Basically, they get separated. So Anakin and Obi Wan end up fighting Ahsoka. And then that blade, that blade that's pulled oh, out, yeah. which the Mortis Dagger, the Mortis Dagger, right? Yeah. Which you know, at one point was you know the some of the fan theories that we heard about for ah, uh, yes. the Rise of Skywalker, and uh, right. 
you know, even though it didn't really look like it at all, but it had the same sort of somewhat features or whatever. But um, that. But it's really the only other dagger we've seen. Right. Aside from the, like the fibro blades. Right. So Ahsoka manages to, you know, (laughs) unbeknownst to Obi-Wan, he was intercepted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Ahsoka gets that as he's trying to throw it to Anakin. Ahsoka cuts it off, gets the dagger and uh really sort of, puts a big damper on this whole uh, approach of using the uh, dagger to take down the sun. Right. And that causes a whole bunch of different problems, of course. And the sun at this point uses the finger touch. And to me, it reminds me of like a Dungeons and Dragons oh, spell. God. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that, you know, Vulcan neck pinch. It's, is no, it's the fickle finger of fate. Yeah, the fickle finger. Yeah, that's what it is. I was going to call it the finger of death. That works too. Yeah. That right. works too. No, yeah. Finger yeah. of death. There you go. Yeah. The dagger is now in possession of the son, who is now trying to take out the father. And the daughter tries to save the father and at the same time gets stabbed by the son. And now the daughter is dead. Correct. And and it's funny because, you know, at this point, the, the son has extreme amount of remorse. He drops the dagger and, like, gets out of there, basically. Right. Well, I mean, you've you've got the whole... Um, like the Joker line, where you know you've got what what is a hero without without the villain? So then, what's the villain without the hero? The dark. What's the dark side without the light? Right. So you know you you like uh, you know not to make too many comparisons, but you know once you've conquered everything, what is there left to do? You know. So if you've if you've snuffed out the light, then mm-hmm. you know as you realize maybe. Maybe the grass isn't greener in the dark side. Mm. No, that yeah. Well, because I mean, I mean, to, you'd be foolish to think it was, but anyway, they do. They, that's what they think. Right, and because uh, the sun used the finger of death on Ahsoka, she's basically yes. dead. Right. So after the daughter is stabbed, her remaining life force, yes. she uses Anakin to as a conduit to mm-hmm. transfer the light that she has left mm-hmm. into Ahsoka and basically to revive her. And again, that yes. brings back to what Rob was saying before, where you got. Ahsoka as the light side, uh-huh. Anakin as the dark, and uh, Obi-Wan being the middle. Right. That's well, and it also well. bears noting that, you know, one of the things that we haven't really talked about, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but one of the things that we see is that when the daughter is, you know, in, in a particular scene within this Mortis series of episodes, uh, she's often followed by this convoy, space owl, whatever you want to call it. Um, named Morai, and once she has died, even into the Mandalorian, when we see Ahsoka show up in the Mandalorian, you see Morai uh, sitting on one of the branches as you know Mando is kind of going to try to find Ahsoka. Uh, so this this convoy Morai is associated with the light side of the fourth force. It's kind of a familiar for the daughter, uh, and once she is dead. Uh, it basically attaches itself to Ahsoka. So there's a big argument to be made that Ahsoka is truly, you know, the embodiment of the daughter, the embodiment of mm-hmm. the light side force. And we certainly see that even though she yes. uh, eventually leaves the Jedi order within the clone wars and is not, you know, she never really attains the full rank of Jedi. Uh, she behaves in a way that is very much in line with what you would expect of a, of a, creature or a being that is completely committed to the light side of the force mm-hmm. mm. and after that happens the father says to anakin just before the end of the episode is that now the nexus of the force or has given more power to the dark side because mm-hmm. of what has happened which makes right. sense 
course, the daughter right. being uh, the uh, light side. But he doesn't refer to it just as Mortis or this Nexus. It's the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, whatever's happening on this on this realm affects the galaxy whole. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what's really cool to think about is that, you know, if you've got this Nexus in a bubble, whatever it is, this sort of force area, but whatever transpires here affects the rest of the galaxy, then it makes sense that the father is there to keep them both in check because if one side or the other is gaining too much light or yes. too much dark, he even says that too much light or too much dark is not good. It has to be in balance. So yeah. this, this event now has shifted the power over to the darkness. And then what happens in the next power shifted to the darkness? Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, we get into ghosts of Mortis. This is the third episode now. Yet again, here's Anakin's guilt coming into play. He literally says, you know, uh, this will haunt me forever if I don't make this right. Yeah. So he, of course, takes 100% guilt for the death of the daughter. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, the father has already said, I'm I'm the reason you're here. But right. Anakin chooses to ignore that. And that's a consistent, yeah. char- yeah. not a character flaw, but a, a characteristic of Anakin that leads him down the wrong path. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the Jedi make the same mistake with Anakin that, that you could argue that, uh, you know, Morpheus makes with Neo in the Matrix trilogy, right? You know, did he tell you who you are and why you're so important? And Neo's like, yeah. And, uh, you know, within that particular film, he's like, yeah, what a mind screw, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's the same type of thing with Anakin. He is told, you know, you are the chosen one. You are the yeah. one that's uh, going to bring balance to the Force. And so Anakin lives his whole life feeling like he has this ability that that is above and beyond what everyone else in the galaxy has so in scenarios where he you know where a normal person might feel like hey if i would have just done this then things would have worked out differently anakin truly believes that he had the power to actually change things that were honestly above and beyond his control Uh, you know there are things that happen and that's kind of what the jedi always tried to teach was that you can't be attached to people because sometimes you just have to let Mm -hmm. fate you know have its way and anakin always believed that he could subvert fate based on what his wants were what he thought was the right thing to have happen Mm -hmm. um which is a big part of why he ends up falling, you know. He was the, you know, the chosen one. He was, he was more powerful, had higher M counts, and, um, you know, he's the boy who lived. So, I mean, obviously, there's going to be, uh, <laughs> wow. there's, there's going to be more, uh, you know, that sort of, um, like, for, for example, we don't see it, but when he's being trained as a Padawan, I'm sure the other younglings were like. Oh yeah, he's the chosen one. Like yeah. he's he's you know he's the one that's going to bring balance. On, you know, like there's that sort of that stigma, right? That's not a gift. Um, that, it's not that a, I'm yeah. sure he um, was surrounded by. You know, everyone kind of like, oh well, you know, when's he going to eradicate the Sith, or when's he going to you know activate you know chosen one mode? You know, like <laughs> like that's the thing is everyone's eyes are on him at all times because he's the guy, right? You know, and there's there's pressure to that, of, of course. course. There is. And who does he encounter next? Qui Gon. <laughs> yeah. And you know, talk of not pressure, but you know, he sees him he's like master, and he's like surprised to see him, of course. And yeah. um, I can't remember exactly, but I think he looks at him questioningly because he's not sure if he's actually there or not. But um, he asks, of course, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to leave? Or am I supposed to kill him? And of course, what does Qui Gon reply? Neither. It's like great. 
More riddles. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for the helper. You know? Awesome. But he does not tell him. Not there, but go to the well of the dark side. Exactly. Your, your deepest fears, right? And follow your, tra- you know, remember your training. And right. so, <laughs> you know, speaking in cryptic words, Hallmark <laughs> Jedi, of course, and Qui-Gon very much so. It's like you're leaving room for an interpretation for lessons and stuff like this. But if this really was the embodiment or the living force of Qui-Gon, is it time really to be training? And I guess from his perspective, it is because that's all Qui-Gon, you know, he was, he believed he was, and even said it, I believe you're the chosen one. Yeah. And right. this is part of the path of helping him determine that chosen one's path. And mm-hmm. so you can sort of get it, but it's like, man, you know, yeah, do a, do a guy a solid man. Give him yeah. a little hint or something. Where's you know? my you know decoder ring? Because <laughs> I don't even know what you're trying to say right now. Mm, surprised <laughs> I am. You yes. said that. <laughs> so cryptic you are. So proud I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to go too deeply nerd, and I and I know that there's people that aren't gonna totally understand the reference, but um, you know the like the the well of the dark side and and these dark side cave experiences. You know the the recurring theme that we see with Jedi training and kind of the coming of age as a Jedi, which is to face your your fears or to face the darkest truths about yourself and and be able to accept them and you know recognize that that there are parts of any person's character that aren't pretty to look at, but they're part of who you are. Yeah. Uh, and, and Yoda ends up kind of confronting that when he meets his evil yes. twin yes. Yoda um, yes. in season six. But, you know, I, there's a, there's a book called the sword of Shinara, which is, you know, this, this weapon that can kill these magical beings. But when you wield it, the first thing you have to do is face all the ugliest truths about yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there's there's a kind of a theme there that that resonates. Uh, it's it's in some fantasy novels. It's also in Star Wars. And it's you know, you have to be you have to be able to look at yourself and accept mm-hmm. yourself for who you are uh, in order to really reach your highest potential. And I think that's kind of one of the themes they try to approach. And Anakin, Anakin just has a hard time accepting the fact that there are things about him that are not perfect. Mm hmm afraid of that and and then he feels like he fails he failed his mother yes. uh, because mm-hmm. he couldn't save her well you know again he he'd been taken away from her she was living yeah. her life and you know it had nothing to do with with you know uh, any failure on his part but of course he he could never it's accept that feel that way yeah. Yeah. that's right pat you brought that up too when we watched that uh with yoda you said hey look he's going in the cave sound familiar yeah like, oh my gosh that's yeah. about and then it's just weird that the evil yoda didn't have a goatee <laughs> Who else would have a goatee who's evil? I don't know. Hmm, some, but, some, but it's some weird, like, yeah, some uh, side sci fi thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't even make that realization that he literally climbs down into this, uh, the well. And the first thing, I guess, that struck me, of course, it looks it's like a spitting image of Mustafar. So it's like foreshadowing of, of that battle. And like mm-hmm. you had alluded to at the beginning, at the beginning of the episode, Rob, was these, this vision, this literally jaw dropping vision that he has. And it's like watching, I viscerally remember watching the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, he's seeing everything. I mean, how is this going to translate to the to the rest of the story? And like you said, we see the, uh, the younglings, we see Padme, we see Palpatine. And of course, and it ends with that shadowy Vader. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, literally, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it because the way it appears is so scary there's yeah. no other word but that's yeah. scary and he's and anakin is beside himself it's like 
what the heck is this? And, you know, I, you know, and the son calls it, I have a gift for you. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Some gift. Uh, what's the return policy on this? Cause I don't like it. Um, and that's, you know, again, it could be viewed as like a cautionary tale mm. or like, Oh, this is something that could happen. And, you know, it certainly influences his decisions moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the issue is, as Rob pointed out, he thinks he alone can prevent these things. And no, that's not the case. Mm. So, so when he's unable to, then he loses faith in himself. And then the only person that has faith in him and believes he should advance as a Jedi and all these types of things is Palpatine. Yeah. Feeding into it. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the irony is that Palpatine is the one who strips away the obvious pass forward for Anakin. I mean, really yes. what he's trying to do is he's trying to narrow his choices to the point where he feels like he only can make a certain choice. Mm hmm to get to what his end game was, is, which is to save Ahsoka, to save Padme, to, you know, yeah. especially with the loss of his mother, you know, all the, the, the protection of Padme and, and Ahsoka snaps into focus for Anakin. And, and, uh, you know, Palpatine was doing his best to limit Anakin's obvious choices forward. Yes. But then, but then you have things like this vision, which really, again, this is what we talk about. This is the thing that's missing in the films, right? You don't, you don't understand how you get from, Attack of the Clones, Anakin to Revenge of the Sith, Anakin, right. and this mm -hmm. provides context for that. And and when you realize that Anakin has seen these visions, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, it, he gets beaten down to the point where he feels like it doesn't really matter what I choose to do. This is my destiny. Yes, and yeah. you get to understand why you get that Darth, you know, the Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, where Luke's like, you know forsake your master and join me and you know i can save you and vader's like it's too late for me son yeah yeah you know, it's, it's like i no longer have a choice i'm on this path this is my only way forward right. and you've got the son saying that very line join me mm -hmm. you know right. and from anakin's perspective he's looking at the loss of padme and the the uh the, the killing of the younglings and the son says no path is set in stone from right. sort of the the side that we can i can give you the power to avoid that and then right. the father literally says the same thing. No path is set in stone from the, from the good side, or at least mm -hmm. the more balanced side. It's like, you don't have yeah. to follow that path. So yep. he's hearing this message over and over again. Yet, like Pat was saying, his own sort of makeup prevents him from seeing that side. He's, he's too, uh, just too guilt-ridden, I guess. Uh, or, yep. you know, unwilling to see that, you know, you can be the power of your good side versus simply just falling to the dark side. Well, look at look at his beginning. I mean, his very first step toward freedom when when Qui-Gon frees him, he can only free him. He can't do anything for his mother, mm. you know, so like <laughs> talk about feeling helpless to go from being the slave child to, to being, quote unquote, freed. But that freedom really just sets you on another path that is very uh, constricted. It's what he wanted. Yeah. But he, again, was helpless to do anything to help his mother at that point. And you know, so clearly him feeling like he had the ability to control the outcome of things was was programmed into him very early on. Uh, and he never was able to escape that. Yeah. Yeah. So the father taps him in the forehead and says, you know, the son has broken the laws of time mm -hmm. and presumably erases the vision, just the vision, you know, mm -hmm. and you would assume that the rest of the experiences that have happened before then 
are still there. So like all these different trials, all everything that Anakin's experienced up mm-hmm. until the point where the sun showed him the future vision is gone. So now obviously the timeline resets itself, right? You've got mm-hmm. um, Anakin who's like in a daze, what happened, whatever, he doesn't remember anything. And the, the future march towards Darth Vader and Palpatine and all that stuff is now protected again, or at least mm-hmm. back in play. Right. Um, even though the father had repeated again, of course, nothing's set in stone. So the, the way it all played out was pretty brilliant. You know, it's almost as if Anakin knew that he needed to let himself be infected by the dark side again, mm-hmm. so that he could draw both the son and the father to the same place yet mm-hmm. again, and um, fulfill the end part of where the father knew that the, uh, the son was going to have to die. Right. And what ends up happening, of course, is tragic, but ultimately balance is achieved yet again because they both end up dying. Yes. Which is, you know, at, at that point, inevitable in order to maintain the balance, mm-hmm. you know. Essentially, the father sacrifices himself. Right. So that gives uh, Anakin the opportunity to lightsaber him and uh, the son in the back. I knew you, you betrayed me. At two birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the father says to the son, I always knew there was good in you. And kind of even things up again. Yeah. Bring balance. Yeah. Bring balance to the... Yeah. And... You know. Think, not leave it in darkness. Right. Ultimately. And Mortis fulfilling, if this is this is planetary, this realm's name is Mortis. Again, all the inhabitants are dead. And balance is maintained, but Planet by balance. annihilating the entire playing field, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, I mean, is it... It's obviously otherworldly. Uh-huh. So, is, I mean... Is it really of consequence in the galaxy? Well, he said it. The balance has shifted not only for this nexus, but right. also for the galaxy. Right. So the dark side has the upper hand at this point. So now, I don't know. So that hand needs to be chopped off, basically, is what he's saying. So if you've got, got this it. realm that yes. supposedly is keeping the larger galaxy influential, yes. does that allow for Palpatine to progress with this plan? Because there's no check right now. Now this nexus is gone. Because essentially all the inhabitants are gone. Uh-huh. So now now the galaxy is on its own. Now light and dark are going are gonna to follow the path that they're going to follow without any influence. Were they even influencing before? I, I don't know. Right. Well, there was actually the conversation right right as the father was dying. And he told Anakin, you know, you've, you have brought balance to this world. You are the chosen one. Mm, that's right. Uh, but mm-hmm. he warns him that, you know, beware when you go back into the galaxy uh, you know, beware your your inner feelings and your turmoil because that can bring doom to the galaxy. That's right. Mm. That's right. So, huh. so there is that. balance that is struck. Of course, typical Anakin style balance where everyone is killed. So, <laughs> oh, uh, he's like, I know how to fix this. Yeah. There's no, no light. There's no dark. Well, you know, you could argue that at that point, Ahsoka is probably more the embodiment of the light, and Anakin may be a little bit more the embodiment of the dark. I mean, the mm-hmm. father has taken the memories of the visions he's had away, but right. you know, Anakin's still carrying some of that darkness yeah, inside of him. Him. So, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of what the father is saying. You know, you, you have the ability if you can master yourself uh, to keep the galaxy in balance, but if you lose your, lose your control, lose your focus, um, then you're going to tilt the galaxy in, in favor of the dark side. Mm-hmm. And so, that happens and then bright light again. Poop. 
right <laughs> right back in the ship and yeah comms come up there's uh the republic ship yep and uh you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Right. A little WandaVision course correction going on there. It's cool. <laughs> Works out. And that's the end of the episode. And that's entirely the end of the, of mm-hmm. the arc. Mm-hmm. And so presumably they're all leaving this realm, this, this experience, uh, with all their memories intact of what happened, save for uh, Anakin's vision. Uh-huh. Maybe what Ahsoka did while she was infected. Yeah. But... There is some deep, deep stuff that happened there. So you got to assume then that these experiences were downloaded to the council, like in a in a debriefing of some sort. So, and you know that the characters were influenced by that experience as well. Yeah, and so you can't, you know, obviously that's why it's such a you know, influential arc that this really, as a viewer, of course, seeing the weight of the vision that uh, Anakin had, just literally laying out the entire plot or the entire arc he's going to have. Uh, but also then how important this entire series of episodes was in the greater saga and on the Clone Wars, it's come back to it all the time and just it's stunning to watch. Mm-hmm. It's weird too, because it, it's so out of place with most of what you see in yeah. season three, mm. five of the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars is very much, a, you know, it kind of bounces back and forth between your classic Star Wars type adventure and then these kind of, silly side mission type episodes to kind of break up the tension a little bit but the mortis arc until really you get to the end of season six it kind of stands alone in the first five seasons as Mm -hmm. being this really heavy um, mythological um you know kind of deep impactful set of episodes Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that you know you really aren't ready for it when it when you get to it and then when it's over you're you're like you go right back to the normal yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just spend like two the weeks. characters <laughs> spend two weeks trying to break it down. <laughs> R two's rolling, rolling off the ledge into a pit, or you know, yeah. doing something stupid. So, <laughs> yep, good old, good old Clone Wars. <laughs> well, that was yeah. the uh, Mortis arc. That was uh, that was fascinating, and thank you very much, Rob, for joining us. It was uh, as always some deep nuggets that. Uh, I hadn't thought about, you know, Pat and I have talked a lot about it in the past and, you know, he's broken some things down and, uh, you know, we've come up with some interesting concepts to it, but it was really cool to really hash it out and sort of see what we could find uh, sort of on a deeper level. So well, you know, one of the great things about having these conversations is, I mean, there's things that occur to occur to me that that come just from things that you guys say. So it's very much, you know, kind of an on the fly, you know, someone says something and all of a sudden it strikes a chord in your brain and you're like, Oh, that's a different way to interpret that. So, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk star Wars. You can sit there and think, you know, everything about every episode and you have that conversation amongst passionate fans and realize that uh, maybe there's something in there that I hadn't thought of before. Very cool. Maybe you need to go back into the archives and amend some records here. You know, that's sort of thing. I get it. I get it. I get it. Hey, the last time I was in the archives, I almost killed our guests. So, oh well, that's true. That's, that's it. You know, collateral damage. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So it's just good to know that the conversations uh, podcast feed has more appearances of Rob than his own feed. That's awesome. <laughs> Twenty one. his own McClunky. feed. That's all I got to say about that, McClunky. Ah. <laughs> oh. Who do? So, Rob, why don't you tell um, our two fans uh, where they can find you? 
uh, on the website at conversations.com. <laughs> These days, that's probably more true than not. Uh, although I, I do, I do uh, plan to eventually get back to podcasting on the JTA podcast, uh, jtapodcast.com. You can certainly find us, uh, our existing episodes, on any of your podcatchers out there. And uh, if you want to reach out to us with uh, inspiration to get my me off my duff and, and back in front of the microphone, then you can uh, email us at jtapodcast at gmail.com. Fantastic. If you've enjoyed uh, Rob's involvement here, um, go check him out and uh, tell him to put out new content. If... Um, if you didn't, well, that's too bad. Tell them to put out new content anyway. Um, yeah, uh, so as I said, you'll find Rob and us at conversations.com. We have the Facebooks at uh, uh, slash conversations. We got the Instagram, the Twitters, and mm-hmm. and the spreadshirts and the T Publics and the right. Red Five Networks mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Yeah, lots of those, uh, lots of those different things. Yeah, and we highly recommend subscribing to Rob's feed, not only because there's new stuff coming, but uh, a lot of his back catalog has some awesome deep dives into great subjects. A lot of a lot of cool stuff on the Clone Wars, and uh, when uh, his co-host Tom from the Hyperion Adventures podcast is on, there's some great stuff going back and forth. So. You know, while you're waiting for the new ones, definitely delve into the old catalog. Yeah, and despite his uh, involvement in this episode, he is a very smart guy. And um, <laughs> he's got a lot of great insights um, on a range of topics um, that are really very interesting, make you think. And, and uh, you know, he uh, causes me to chuckle right. a lot. Nuclear physics primarily, but occasionally some astronomy. Right. right. Not Star Wars related. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, except for... You know, luminous beings. Right. He does explore them a bit. <laughs> right. As Yoda said, luminous beings are we, so that would make Pat a luminous being. That's. that's... <laughs> but a bump. <laughs> I know you can't see me, Rob. It's jtapuncast.com. <laughs> All right. And I can feel your. I can feel your finger of death. Yes. He's the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Pat, you ready to take us out of this uh, wonderful episode? Channel Whitwer. Whitwer? Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, guys. Like, we're best friends now. No? All right. No. Okay. Uh, that's not it? No. All right. The force will be with you. Always. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>